Welcome to A Journey to Inner Wisdom. This is Crystal, wisdomologist and host of the podcast. As with any journey, there are many ways to get to where we're going. In this journey to inner wisdom, there are many tools, practices, paths, and possibilities, and guides and mentors. Some we search for, some we bump into, and some are set down plunk in front of us, whether we're looking or not. I will explore some of these tools and practices, paths and possibilities, and interview guides and mentors who may have an influence on your journey. On my own journey, I continue to discover both extraordinary wisdom, and in some ways, even more importantly, the ordinary wisdom that is in front of my nose. We all have a different journey. What may strike one of us may not resonate with someone else. Our task is to be aware and awake in order to notice the invitations that are in front of us. Today, I'm talking with Kimberly Banfield, who has had an amazing life journey. Kimberly is a soulcologist and founder of Soulcology. She's an intu intuition and soul purpose mentor, teacher, and speaker. She guides entrepreneurs, explorers, and everyday women to find the clarity, confidence, and courage to listen to their intuition, heal past experiences, and to find and fulfill their soul's purpose. What she loves the most is helping women <clears throat> to make their life a moment that matters. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you, Crystal. I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'm excited to have you. Kimberly, your journey uh, is an interesting and adventurous uh, journey, and it continues to be. Uh, you're here in Canada, and uh, because of technology, you have an international following. It's amazing. So today, we're going to talk about intuition. And intuition is something that we all have. I believe we're born with intuition, but somehow it's ignored or denied, pushed down. Sometimes we're shamed when we express our intuition. Mm -hmm. So before you tell us a bit about how your intuition resurfaced, talk to us a little bit about intuition. I think we sometimes mix it up with other I words like imagination or instinct or information. How would you describe intuition? So intuition for me is it's the voice of your soul. Read the voice from that inner deeper part of you. Some people would call it your inner compass, your inner guide, but it's that deeper part of you that just knows that deeper part of you that just trusts. And in a way, it, it, it cosmically guides you, to use more of a woo-woo term, I suppose, into the life experiences that you need, into the people that you need to meet, into the things that you need to study, and so much more um, as well. It's, it really is the way in which your soul communicates with you and guides you through life. And so because, because it's often suppressed yes. because of all, for all kinds of reasons, cultural, family, whatever, how do we begin to really, um, to, to reintegrate, to reappropriate our intuition? Well, initially, I feel like the first most important step is recognizing that a disconnect is present, mm -hmm. that you don't feel connected to your, your intuition. And then alongside that is the recognition that you used to be connected to it. And there was something that occurred that caused or created that disconnect. Now, 
shamanically we would talk about how you you hide that part of you because it doesn't feel safe to express it it doesn't feel safe to share it it doesn't feel safe to embody it and so we hide it and I work with a lot of women who have hidden their intuition right it's it's not that your intuition is gone or that it's not there or that you don't have it it's simply that you have hidden it away to keep it safe and to protect it until such point in time as you are either ready to uncover it and rediscover it and or something occurs intuitively in the world either within you, i.e. you get sick or in the world around you, something significant happens like a car accident or whatever that wakes you up to your intuition again that activates your connection to your intuition again such that you can then listen to it so it happens in in two distinct ways one is you realize that you're disconnected and you want to reconnect to it the second one is that something significant happens like illness or a car accident or whatever that activates it for you to bring you back onto your path or to direct you on your path if you've been you know going a little bit off the road or off the rails uh, so to speak and so to begin to reconnect to it is to notice one that you want to be back into it and then by starting to distinguish between first and foremost fear and intuition because a lot of people get them mixed up mm. And that's not to say that intuition won't have fear as part of it, especially if our intuition is guiding us to do something that we haven't done before, or if it's guiding us to do something that previously we have had a negative experience with. So like public speaking is a perfect example. Your intuition could be like, go and speak about this thing. You mm -hmm. get asked a question, go and answer this question, put your hand up and go and talk about it. And when you did it previously, Maybe you didn't know what to say or you cried or someone yelled something from the audience. And so now you've developed a fear of public speaking, but your intuition is still telling you to speak. So it's recognizing that your intuition is not your fear, although there may be some fear present, but how you can tell the difference initially is that your fear will come with a but. It will come with a justification and a reason as to why you can't, couldn't, shouldn't, won't do something whereas your intuition it doesn't care about whether you can or can't or should or wouldn't do something because its guidance and its direction is much sharper much more direct much clearer it's more like go here don't go here it's very uh, often simplistic in its language and it's very primal in its language and a perfect example of this for me is um, I was driving my car one day and I when I lived in Melbourne still and I was turning right into a car park I had the green arrow to turn right and suddenly like there was nobody else on the other side of the road and suddenly my intuition yelled at me go fast Mm -hmm. and knowing my intuition as I do there was there wasn't even a second to think about it, it was like all right so I put my foot down and I went fast and then what happened was a red car came speeding out of nowhere and it missed my car by millimeters mm. Mm. now did I have a fear 
of getting in trouble for speeding across the road? Yes. Did I have a fear that maybe I would go too fast and I might hit hit a barrier in the shopping center if I couldn't control my car by mm-hmm. going so fast into a car park? Right. Did I have a fear that somebody might suddenly pop up out of nowhere and I wouldn't know what to do? Mm-hmm. Yes. But that's not my intuition. Right. My intuition is the very primal survival response of go fast. Like something is about to happen. We don't know what, but energetically we can tell something is going to happen. So what's interesting about what you're saying as well, because we, um, we suppress it, we, we lose touch with it. We create that, that mask, or I, I think even it's part of our personality because our personality is a, a mask. And so yes. we, we cover up a lot of things about ourselves because we present a certain image to the world. So, so I think about little kids then, I even think about myself as a, as a, a child, a little girl. And I think um, I, I was intuitive. Mm, yeah. And, and, you know, kids are intuitive and then it's, it's really, whatever the circumstances are somewhere along the line, we yeah. lose touch with that. We don't trust it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually around uh, the ages of sort of around seven. Sometimes it happens earlier, but usually around seven when we become more aware of the fact that other people have thoughts and that there are certain ways in which we are meant to behave and conduct ourselves in society that are acceptable and, and unacceptable. And we, we learn over time and it's becoming better, I will say, but we learn over time that, you know, intuition can be weird and that unless you can logically explain something then then it's like you don't really know what you're talking about or you don't know where it comes from and so therefore you're not going to be believed or it can't be followed through on because you can't explain it and one of the biggest things about intuition is that it's it's not explainable it's not always explainable that's right but the more that you understand the way in which your intuition operates for you and the way in which it has shown up for you through life events, through, you know, certain things happening in your body, et cetera, et cetera, the more you start to develop a trust mm-hmm. in the fact and the knowing that it is there, it is communicating to you, and that is enough. Mm-hmm. That is all the justification that you need. Your feeling in your body your knowing, the things that you are hearing, the, the things that you can see that other people can't see, that is enough. And your intuition, it doesn't need any more evidence than that. Otherwise, it would spend all of its time searching for that evidence to present to you before it even gave you the intuition. But then the moment will have passed. And, it's gone. and it won't it's be gone. intuition anymore. That's right. That's right. Right? Then it becomes more like, imagination and so on and so forth but I will say that the practice of imagination is important when it comes to intuition Mm -hmm. because the more you allow your mind to simply wander and imagine how things can be the more open you are to the intuitive possibilities that your intuition that your soul's voice can share with you because you're less likely to judge it you're less likely to shut it down you're less likely to be like well that can't happen because you've actually imagined 
that it can or that something like it can. So when people talk about how, oh, it's, you know, your intuition's all in your imagination, actually there are elements of it that are. Mm-hmm. And for women in particular, our ability to imagine is part of what helps us to create. It's also part of what helps us to embody that as well. Hmm. And, and our culture really doesn't support our mind wandering, does it? No, because we're, we're, we're told at school, pay attention, concentrate, uh, look down at your paper, don't look out the window, stop getting distracted. Like it is yelled out of us or punished out of us or where, you know, um, put into boxes around how we should behave, where we should direct attention, who we should pay attention to, what we should pay attention to. Like it all comes externally towards us, often from the time that we are young, because of course there's things coming to us from our parents and so on as well, but more so gets drilled into us when we are at school and our intellect becomes more highly valued over and above our intuition. Right. And I think it's interesting that people will say, I get my best ideas in the shower. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Because that's where, uh, that's the one place where our mind can wander and we're not going to hurt anybody and we're not going to say anything that we think maybe is stupid or whatever. It's like, oh, there's the idea. And I know that for my own creative process, for me, it's so important to just pause and let yeah. my mind wander. It's just like, let it go, just let it go. And then stuff just starts to, to come to me. Yes, it's, a, it's such a, like the shower is so great for having your mind focused on one thing. So the mind is distracted, right? It's busy. It's washing your hair. It's washing your body. It's, it's doing shower things which frees up your intuition, your soul to speak to you. And because you're in water and, and you know, the body is made up of a large percentage of, of water and water represents emotions intuitively and so on. So you're more connected to that universal life force energy because emotions are part of that. Emotions are energy in motion. It's water. So it's no surprise that your intuition is like, this is the perfect time for me to sneak in and surprise you with this amazing insight, with this epiphany, with this idea, with, and then you, it's up to you to be like, oh my God, now I have to capture that. Yeah. How? I'm in the shower. Um, by the way, you can get shower markers and things to make things waterproof and so on so that you can collect your creative, intuitive insights that come when you're in the shower. But outside of that, things like, I find for me, shower is great folding washing Mm. because my hands are busy and my brain's focusing on folding things and and what have you cooking Mm -hmm. is another one for me as well it's very creative but also again my mind is focused on what am I cooking what am I adding etc etc and my intuition's like yes now is the time here I come and suddenly it's like oh here's this piece that I didn't know that I needed intuitively here it is wow so it's often while your mind is busy being preoccupied with something else and they can be such mundane tasks like you don't need to have 
rituals and ceremony associated with your intuition because it it doesn't need any of that we've been told that it needs that and you can absolutely do that for sure and it's not necessary sometimes it's as simple as doing a mundane task that preoccupies your brain to allow your intuition the space to talk to you mm -hmm. uh, for me it's gardening if i'm out yeah. in the garden pulling weeds just you know, just busy pulling weeds. And then all of a sudden there's an idea, there's something creative, there's something coming in. It's like, oh, pay attention to that. The other time for me often is I tend to wake up in the middle of the night. I get, you know, five oh, yeah. hours of sleep and I wake up and I'm lying there and all of a sudden there are all of these, there's this big download. It's like, oh my goodness, I got to get these ideas. It's yeah. like, I'm just so relaxed. I'm not and I know I'm going to fall back to sleep eventually, but I'm not, my mind is not on high alert, like in terms of, okay, what do I do now? What's next? What do I have to, what's on my list, et cetera, et cetera. So that's another time yes. for me. Yes. And that makes sense too. When we look at like the, the times of the day and the night, the, the veil between the worlds, if you will, is thinner between the hours of around midnight, 1am and 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. So while the brain is asleep and you know the body's doing its repair and restorative work and so on, you're again much more open to receiving information, insights, downloads, etc. around whatever it is that you're experiencing in your life right now, or perhaps it's a new idea for your business, or it could be anything really. You're more open to that because the veil between the human world and the spirit world is is much much thinner mm -hmm. okay so this just popped into my head i want to ask you this it's interesting for me when i when i talk to business people and there's a certain way that people follow this prescription in terms of how to do their business and and it works for some people but it doesn't work for other people and and I just wonder in terms of how much of our intuition needs to be opened up to, wor to working in our businesses uh, into, because as much as, as we see business as kind of a, in some ways cut and dry, it's a, it is also a very creative process because right. we're bringing if we're creating a business, we're bringing our heart and soul into it. And so it's much more than all of the pieces that, okay, you've got to do your business plan and you've got to do all of these steps. Right. And so it seems to me, intuition needs to come into that. What would you say about that? I would agree with you like soul heartedly. And I find in the work that I do with entrepreneurs is that it's when they are frustrated that a framework or a method or a system isn't working for them, even though they followed it to the letter, mm -hmm. they often intuitively knew that some part of the process wasn't for them, but they followed it because they wanted to be the good student. They wanted to be you know, follow things perfectly. They didn't want to upset the person who was teaching them the method. So they follow all of these conditioned responses within them 
to, to do these frameworks, these methods, these processes, but then they don't work because they haven't actually followed their intuition to make tweaks and shifts that are more aligned for them. And I see this in practitioners as well when we're taught particular like bodywork methods, for example. And, uh, and I say this from like when I was learning Reiki very early on in my 20s, I was very much stuck in the mindset of, but I have to follow it in this direction. I have to start at the head and then work my way down to the ears, the shoulders, et cetera, et cetera. I have to follow this to the letter. Otherwise the session isn't perfect and I haven't done it properly and it's not right. And I've somehow done a disservice to the person that I'm working on because I didn't follow the traditional formula. And yet my intuition kept saying, but go here next but this is connected to this part of the body. Go there next. Go to this part of the body, which isn't, which isn't even part of the formula. Right. And so part of it was dealing with my own resistance to going against my, my mentors, both as a practitioner and then again in business as well, going against my mentor and coming across as a bad student or like I knew better than they did or you know, going through all of those limiting beliefs that were planted in me when I was younger but that I took on board as truths that weren't actually truths for me and it can become so limiting when we are learning from people about the frameworks that worked for them but we're not open to our intuition saying this part's for you but this part isn't Mm -hmm. this part is for you but only if you do it like this Mm -hmm. And the more we can be open to our intuition and to receive that guidance and still, you know, test it out one way in full to make sure it doesn't work for you if you need to. Absolutely. That can be an important part of the process sometimes because that helps you to get really clear and grounded in, oh, that's how my intuition speaks to me. Okay. I didn't actually need to do these steps because my intuition said here to go over here. So sometimes we need to have that experience to go, oh, that's my intuition. That's how I know. Okay, cool. Lesson learned. If when this happens again and I get this feeling or it shows up in this way, then I know that's my intuition. Mm -hmm. And then other times it's simply going, well, you know what? Leap of faith. Leap of faith. And this message is coming through so strongly right now that actually I only need to apply these steps of this formula and it's this trusting yourself first and foremost over and above everyone else and it doesn't matter how much money that person has made how long they've been in business for the amount of people that they have served the world over how many other people have been successful using their strategies and so on and so forth Often when they're marketing this to you and they're doing affiliates and so on, they're not telling you the parts of the, the frameworks that they tweaked for themselves. Right. Then, and they're not going to tell you that because they're in an affiliate marketing relationship with them. They, they want to, A, make this person money, but also make money themselves. So they're not going to tell you the little bits that they tweaked to follow their intuitive knowing to bring that in in it to enhance it and amplify it for them they're just going to tell you that they follow these strategies so it really is um it's it's really important then that we are in touch with our own intuition so that we know okay what works for me and not just take on because I know that there was a time in my life where I would just kind of take something on it was like oh my goodness so many people were successful that could be me 
And then yeah. it wouldn't work. And I mean, finally, I got to a point in my life where it was like, okay, that's not how I operate. <laughs> it doesn't, right. doesn't work for me. There are yeah. other ways for me to, to, to be creative and to work my business. And that is such a freeing place to be because then I, yeah. I know what, what I need and I know what I can take. Yes. You know what you can take, you know what you can leave behind. Your energy isn't caught up in things that are not necessary for you right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It might be useful to you later on, in which case you can pull from that reserve at a later point in time when your intuition says, remember that part of the framework that didn't apply then that actually applies now. Mm -hmm. Go back and get that or get that and use that as the basis or the foundation for this thing. Mm -hmm. So it is really important to be connected to and grounded in your intuition because honestly, it's, it's wanting to and trying to make it easier for you. But the hardest part is shaking off the conditioning associated with what that means mm -hmm. that you are in relation to other people or in the eyes of other people in order for you to be able to do that. So it means letting go of the, but what if this person thinks this? But what if I come across like that? But what if they don't like it? But what if they're upset with me? What if they kick me out? What if this? What if that? Like, that's all of the fear talking. That's right. not your intuition. Right. Your intuition is going to stay with its same message and it might deliver it in certain different ways, but the underlying message is the same because sometimes you need to hear things, the same thing in different ways before you get it. And you're like, okay, fine, you win intuition. I'll do this, I'll do this thing, I'll do it this way. Mm -hmm. But that's not, it doesn't come with the worries and the fears about the judgments and the criticisms and right. so on. Well, the other thing I think that being in touch with intuition, with my intuition has done for me, I tend to be um, a next shiny object person. It's like, oh, right. here's something else for me. Oh my goodness, this looks like a great course. Oh, let me try this. Oh, da -da -da -da. and what I find as I'm becoming more in touch with my intuition, I'm able to just pause and say, okay, wait a minute. Is this really, is this really what... I'm being called to do, or is it really in alignment with what, what I want? And yeah. so I've, I've been able to say no to shiny objects, which is pretty amazing for me. I'm an Enneagram yeah. seven and it's like, give me more, give me more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so give me more of the things that are intuitively aligned for me. That's right. Exactly. Not just every single thing. So, yeah. so I, I'm much more discerning in terms of, oh yeah, yeah. Mm. And trusting that I just, and I know it's like, okay, yeah, that that's, that's for me. Or mm, I don't think so. Whereas before I would just kind of get pulled into my energy would be pulled into a lot of things that afterwards I thought, what was I thinking? Yeah. And that often comes from the fear of missing out, right? Like if I don't say yes to this thing, then nothing else is going to be offered to me, or I'm not going to find anything that could be this good, et cetera, et cetera. Except that when you say no, because your intuition is like, nah, not this thing. Yep. What you are doing is sending a clear message to the universe that you don't say yes to things that aren't intu intuitively aligned with you. So therefore it has to bring you things that because you're not sending mixed messages you're not letting your boundaries be crossed etc etc instead you're saying 
well, that's a no. And I trust that a yes is on its way. I trust that in saying no, when the answer is no, I am creating space, opening space, inviting in the yeses. And with every no, I am one step closer to yes. And the yes could come the very next day. But if you're saying yes to no's, then you're not leaving space for that. And the universe gets super confused because it's like, but we thought that was a no, but you said yes. And you just filled up the space because you filled up the space. I call it, I call it um, filling the hole mm-hmm. instead of filling the hole. Uh. So you're filling the hole in terms of H-O-L-E. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, well, fear of missing out and I, I need a business coach or I need a this or I need a that. So I'll just say yes, even though it's a no. Or, or you feel pressured into saying yes. Mm-hmm. So you say yes instead of no. Instead of fulfilling the whole, which is H-W-H-O-L-E. So saying yes to something that is a fully aligned or at least as aligned as you understand within you. Even if you don't know why it's aligned, you just have this like deep intuitive, yes, this could be crazy. I would never ordinarily go for a program like this or a mentor like that, or, you know, date a person like that or take a job like that. But it just, I, I just, it's a yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you created the space for that. You held out for that. Yes. Because you said no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Critical. Critical. That's great. Okay. Now uh, let's just shift gears a little bit because I would like to hear, and I know people would like to hear about your journey to, to resurfacing your intuition. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I have like so many memories of when I was a kid and like watching shows like Unsolved Mysteries and so on. And they'd have your stories of intuitive women and paranormal situations and so on on this show and I remember sitting there and always thinking god I wish I was like them like I just and perhaps on some level it was part of me going I wish I was that special I wish I was that you know chosen by the universe etc etc to have those gifts and, and what have you and I remember when I was 14 that I had my first experience of seeing a ghost in our mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. and uh, and it was this face that appeared around the corner of my bedroom door and at the time I thought it was my twin brother coming to say goodnight to me oh, yeah and so I said I yelled out to the door haha very funny like goodnight and there was no response which was very unlike him And the face just stayed there. And it was just this like outline of Mm -hmm. a face. And so I said again, you know, haha, very funny, good night, no answer. And then I started to get scared Mm -hmm. because I was like, why isn't he answering me? Why, like, like, this is no longer funny or fun that I like this game. And so then I, I, I got up. And I got up and I walked toward the door and I realized the face was the face of like an older man. Mm-hmm. And then it disappeared. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know what that was, but mm-hmm. now I'm going to go hide underneath my covers and try to go to sleep. 
And the next morning at the, at the breakfast table, I said to my brother, you know, good job last night. You really scared me, um, you know, when you, when you said goodnight. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't come and say goodnight to you. And I said, stop lying. Yes, you did, but you didn't say anything and you scared me and ha-ha, funny joke, please don't do it again. Mm -hmm. And he said, but I didn't. He didn't come and say goodnight to you last night. He was watching some, some show or some movie on TV. So that for me was the first initial like, oh, okay, well then actually it was a ghost. I was seeing something mm -hmm. and how cool, but also I'm terrified. So, sure. <laughs> so I just kind of kept that uh, in the back of my mind, but I didn't, it wasn't until I was 17 that I had a really, a big intuitive um, awakening. And it's very synchronistic that we're talking about this today because in Australia it is at the time of recording it is um, the long weekend it's the Queen's birthday weekend and this is the weekend 21 years ago when my parents split up mm. so my mum uh, my mum left and she moved to the US and she had told me the night before that she was leaving mm -hmm. and I then went to a party because I didn't want to watch her pack mm -hmm. stuff. And when I was at this party, I was just feeling the intense emotions of, oh my God, my parents are splitting up. Mom's leaving. This is a lot. I'm 17. What does it mean for you know, my siblings, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm in so much pain right now. I don't know what to do with it. And you know, teenage party. So there was alcohol, there was cannabis and it was like my friends could tell something was wrong and they mm -hmm. were like what's going on and I said I can't tell you and they said but you look so upset like mm -hmm. you have to tell us we want to mm -hmm. help you and I said I literally cannot tell you have to wait until Monday for me to be able to tell you what's going on and they said all right well here drink this and smoke that and it will make you feel better oh geez and at 17 I thought you know what you're probably right like <laughs> probably will would make me feel better at least in terms of you know helping me to not feel whatever you know the intensity of what I'm feeling uh, mm -hmm. right now and as I went to take a drink and you know have a a toke of the joint so to speak it was like time stopped mm. and like we had a we were out the back we had a, a fire going we we're all sitting around in a circle like it was loud and, and boisterous mm -hmm. And it was like, everything stopped. Everything around me went completely silent. And I heard this loud, booming voice tell me not to do it. Mm. And it said, don't do that. And I remember I was so confused. I was like, who is talking to me? What is this? Um, where is it coming from? Mm -hmm. And it said, don't do that. And I actually received more information mm -hmm. around why because like I had this this conversation with this voice mm. as in like but like why why should I not do this because mm -hmm. everything that I know is about to be turned upside down it's all going to go to shit why should I not do this and mm -hmm. it said because you don't want to miss out on your siblings growing up they're going to need you and if you continue down this path, then it's going to last for 12 years. 
and you will miss everything and you will continue to use substances like this to like numb your emotions or to make it better or to help you to get through things and you are not here for that you are here for something different than that you are here for something greater than that and you don't need to experience this to do that don't do it and then it was like the world phased back in again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I could hear people talking and I looked around and I was like thinking to myself did anybody else hear that but everyone else was talking as normal right so I looked at the drink I had in one and one hand and, and the smoke I had in the other or the joint rather and I went all right and maybe this is where like your conditioning can come in really handy with this kind of stuff because I went well you know what I am a good girl like it's not like me to get like a good girl in the sense of you know my parents didn't want me drinking so I didn't drink and I was aware of the consequences of drinking at, at a young age so I didn't drink or if I had a drink you know when I was of age it was minimal Mm -hmm. so I was like okay well all right I'll I'll be good and I'll follow this voice partly because I don't know where it came from I'm a little bit scared of it but also the idea of 12 years starting in this moment of this becoming how I deal with things in my life I thought no and then I thought about my siblings and what I would miss out on and like with them and so on and it just became like yeah like there's no other option for me I I have to follow this voice and so I I handed the joint off to somebody else and I put the the alcohol behind me and then like every now and again I put behind I I pretend to drink it but then I would put my arm behind my back and just like tip it out a little bit (laughs) um, (laughs) behind me so it looked like I was consuming it yeah but I I didn't And it wasn't like, I never told anybody about that experience that night for years. It wasn't until I was like 25, 24, 25, that I admitted out loud. I was like, am I crazy? Like Hmm. uh, here I am hearing voices telling me not to do things Mm -hmm. and that it's going to take 12 years. Like being 17, I would have been 29, 30 coming out of that cycle when it, it, it didn't need to be mm-hmm. that way and my intuition knew that mm-hmm. and and I followed it so like that intuitive awakening for me was huge and then it kept going in the sense of once mum had left mm-hmm. I had always listened to her first and foremost and my dad I'd always listened to them first and foremost right again like being the good girl I was a people pleaser I was all of those things and anything they said went even if it went against my own intuition I'd be like it's fine it's okay I'll just swallow it down mm-hmm. and I'll just go and do this thing because it will make people happy mm-hmm. but suddenly when she wasn't in the picture anymore and you know dad was working to keep all of us together and so on suddenly I had no other option but to rely on my intuition both in terms of taking care of my siblings and being able to intuitively anticipate their needs and and the support that they required and so on to navigate Mm -hmm. this time but also for myself in terms of recognizing what it was that that I needed and what the next steps were for me in this space both as a sister and a student and a daughter and you know a, a young woman trying to make sense of who she is in the world and 
and what you see to do because I was finished in year 12 and choosing courses for mm. university oh wow so I came to understand over time that not only was that night key in terms of that intuitive awakening but also the absence of my mom was was such a huge part of my intuitive awakening too because I was no longer abdicating my intuition in favor of other people knowing better than I do or knowing better for me than I did right your life could be could look totally different so now different. had your mom stayed yeah yes yeah it, both equally like had she stayed then it it likely would have unfolded still, but in a different way. A very different way, yes. Very different way. Yeah. And had I not listened to that intuition saying, don't drink, don't take drugs, mm -hmm. then again, it would have unfolded very, very differently. And mm -hmm. it's hard. It's both hard to imagine, but also easy to imagine how it could have turned out differently. Mm -hmm. um, had I not followed that and I actually studied psychology and criminology at university so I mm -hmm. dove deeply into drugs and alcohol and human behavior and what makes people do what they do to get a sense of what life could have been like had I made that choice but also then appreciating deeply that 17 year old naive me still chose to listen to that voice partly because she wanted to be a good girl and she didn't want to get in trouble for drinking and smoking but also because there was that voice that was so loud and so out of the ordinary that I had no other option but to pay attention to it mm -hmm. yep yep hmm. wow great story so I know there are many other instances I want to just shift again a little bit and maybe um, have you talk about some of your mentors or guides who were instrumental in helping you to develop your intuition? Mm, yes, my gosh, the first one that comes to mind is my Reiki master who I met uh, in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. I had just come out of a very, very terrible relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I was 21 at the time. And that was a time where my intuition said, no, six weeks in, I ignored it and uh, went ahead with the relationship because I wanted a boyfriend and I wanted to fit in. And so I ignored my intuition and it was, it was an awful relationship that had so much in it that I had a lot to heal and resolve. Um, in the time that it ended, we were we were together for 10 months. There was a period of stalking after that and court cases and so on. And so I was in a place where I just, I just needed to, to heal. And a friend of mine introduced me to my Reiki master mm -hmm. um, for the Reiki first and foremost, in terms of, you know, helping my, my emotional energetic bodies to, um, to recover mm -hmm. from the experiences that I had had and to also like come back into me. Mm -hmm. uh, because I was I was not in a good space um, after that relationship ended and all the stuff that happened around it. So my Reiki master was key in terms of helping me to become okay with the fact that I had ignored my intuition. Mm -hmm. 
and to appreciate that we're not perfect we're not always going to follow follow it but also the times that we don't follow it just help us to know more deeply and embody more deeply what it's like when our intuition speaks to us so I'm very clear now on what's a no I'm very clear on that because I've not listened to it and then I have experienced the you know the after effects um, of that so she was key in helping me to resolve that first and foremost but then I actually started attending weekly classes um, with her mm-hmm. and I learned all levels of Reiki with her so I, my background is um, Reiki master teacher mm-hmm. and then alongside that she actually started teaching weekly intuition classes and so myself and a group of women we would go to her house every week and we would spend a couple of hours immersed in in our intuition Hmm. both in terms of for ourselves but also in terms of with the women um, around us and practicing with each other to get to know our intuition to practice tools and techniques and so on but to also did like deepen the connection and the strength of our connection to our intuition mm-hmm. and the trust and the confidence that we had in our intuition and we would do all kinds of things from meditations to drawings to writings to card readings um, to on the spot readings where you just stand in front of someone and you just talk um, to you know hands-on work to all kinds of different things and really those intuition classes were instrumental in me getting more connected to my intuition but also fostering such a deep connection confidence and trust in it as well and getting used to how it communicates with me but also getting used to actually communicating what it is communicating to me or or through me because some because often it's we can get the message but actually sharing it out loud feels really daunting right and so those classes provided such a beautiful non-judgmental space to Mm. to just say whatever was there because it's not about your intuition is neither right nor wrong it simply is and often we'll get scared of saying what it is because we don't want to be wrong and sometimes we also don't want to be right both of those can have uh, you know perceived consequences for us or for the other person or whatever it just became a space where it was like you are free to simply share whatever it is that is coming through for you in this moment recognizing that you don't know when it's going to apply to that person you don't know if it's applied to them in the past you don't know if it's applied to them right now you don't know if it's going to apply to them five days five years 50 years in the future you just know that it applies to them mm-hmm. and and you just know that you have to share it or or say it so those classes helped me with that as well as to understand all the different ways in which my intuition speaks to me and through me both in terms of guidance for myself as well as in terms of guidance for for other people great now 
makes me think about the safe space in your workshop, your program, because I think about when I was first doing your program and I was, I was quite skeptical <laughs> and it was a safe place to talk about that. And, yeah. and to, to really unpack that in terms of, well, what, what is that about? Because I am a, a, a naturally intuitive person. My family is quite intuitive, but there was, there was still where my head just kind of got in the way and it was really a safe place for me. And I can almost feel when it shifted all of a sudden, one, one week I was at the, in the coaching session and I just realized that part of me was gone like that skeptic was gone yeah so it was really interesting number one it was a safe place also a place to practice and to really gather and share the information so that yes that was really important and has been important and will continue to be important for me in terms of de developing my intuition so so then Kimberly how would you guide women to develop and enhance their intuition um, maybe you could talk a little bit about how you would do that and how you do not, how would you, how do you do that with women? <laughs> I mean, how I would is how I do. So right. <laughs> <laughs> so how I, how I do that now is, is through a program called the Intuitive Woman Program. And it's a program that women can take self-paced in their own time and or they can take the version when I coach it and we do it together as a group to really provide that space for you to connect with other like-minded women as well as for you to have other like-minded people to to like bounce your intuition off and to receive your intuition knowing that you're helping them to receive theirs and, and develop theirs as well and we focus on three areas in that program we focus on the logical intuition, the practical intuition, and the supernatural intuition. And the reason why we start with the logical and the practical is because intuition shows up in ways that actually do make sense to us. When we start with the logical and practical, I call them languages, but ways in which your intuition communicates with you, it starts to allow the brain to go, oh, oh, intuition is not this scary out there woo-woo thing. It's, it's actually been within us operating, talking, communicating all the time. And so we start with talking about the intuitive meanings behind things like pain, injury, illness, and cravings, for example. Then we talk about the intuition in sleep and signs and circumstances and spirit animals and so on and then we go into the more supernatural components of you know sensations and cycles and cards and you know really like landing in this space of understanding all the different levels in which all the different ways in which our intuition connects and communicates with us and over time the mind goes oh right when we had that cold on the surface yeah it was a cold but at a deeper level at a soul level at a more intuitive level it was actually telling me these things yes I was burnt out yes 
all of, I was tired. Yes, I was exhausted. Yes, I didn't want to be doing that thing. And so I got a cold, which magically stopped me from doing that thing. Hallelujah. I didn't have to do that thing. But because I couldn't say no myself, I got a cold. So I could say, I can't do this thing because I'm sick. Because your intuition is like, you know what? Let's not put you in that situation because you actually don't want to do it. Let's give you a cold. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's, it's so easy for the brain to be like, well, it's just a cold. doesn't mean anything else. Except when you look at the circumstances surrounding what was going on for you at the time or going on inside of you, where you weren't honoring yourself, your needs, your desires, your values, such that your intuition was like, let me step in here. Let me, let me gift you in a way this, this cold so that you don't go, so that you will take time out for yourself, so that you will sleep, rest, take a bath, go on a holiday, whatever it is. So we start to like soften into the ways in which your intuition has shown up in socially acceptable ways. Right. So it's like, it's, it's okay for you to delve into oh, I'm, I'm, I'm burnt out because of my job, yes, but I'm also actually burnt out because I'm actually doing something that's unaligned with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've got a mask on. This was me in the corporate world. I was so burnt out because I wasn't actually meant to be in corporate. I was living somebody else's life. I was living a socially driven life instead of a solar-powered life. So I got really burnt out. And on the surface, yes, it's because I was working long hours. I was a young senior manager in a corporation back home in Australia. And I was doing 18-hour days. I was, you know, trying to do it all, et cetera, et cetera. I was so burnt out. But what I was really burnt out of intuitively at the deepest soul level was living life as someone who actually wasn't me, trying to be somebody else. Right. And the burnout kept happening because intuitively that wasn't for me. And I knew it, but admitting that to myself out loud was like super scary because then what? Mm-hmm. Then, then what do I do? Then who am I? Then I really have to find out. And I'm so thankful that I did because I'm here now. Mm-hmm. And you know, my intuition has, has taken me out of the corporate world into you know the the coaching world now but I would say more of like the soul world and it brought me to my husband it moved me to Canada like my intuition has done so many incredible things that when I think about what life would be like if I hadn't followed that I had forced myself to stay in corporate and, and to stay you know living a socially acceptable life or what I thought was the life that made my parents proud and so on then I can't imagine what that would be like I'd be this numb robot walking around on autopilot probably having some sort of midlife crisis going I don't know who I am and what I'm doing but instead I had that when I was 29 yeah as part of my you know Saturn return this life is not for you because there's another life that's trying to emerge through you and from you. And it's about time that you honored that. So, so on some level, it really is about being aware and paying attention, isn't it? 
Yes. It's really noticing what's going on externally, but also internally. Yeah, it's recognizing that there are always two levels going on. And we talk about this in every single soul class module and in every single coaching session too. It's recognizing that there are always two levels going on. There is a surface level going on and there is a soul level going on. And we start with the surface level because that is the level that your brain or your mind is okay with comprehending to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, it's like, oh, you're burnt out because you're working long hours. You're burnt out because it's a, it's a high pressure, high stress job. Yet at the soul level, once you've, once you've come to terms with that, it's like, okay, then at the soul level, it's about recognizing there's a whole other level of awareness that's available to you that is speaking deeper intuition to you to, like I said at the very beginning, to guide you through your life into not only who you are but also who you're here to become and what you're here to to do or or fulfill on to learn to so many different things so it's awareness that there's a surface level and there's a soul level Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great so How can people access your information, Kimberly? People can find me on Instagram Mm -hmm. and they can find me at Kimberly Banfield and and also at Soulcology. And I'll give the links for those. You can provide them in the show notes. And you can also find me on Facebook. I have a group that is called the Soulcology Collective. And uh, you are welcome to join that group it's where we talk about all things intuition related uh, initially because intuition is the foundation of everything for me psychology is about studying your soul and as part of that you are studying how your intuition works for you and uh, and then opening up into wherever it is that it takes you from there so you can find that at the psychology collective and I will put a link there um, as well and you'll find program information for the intuitive woman in that group as well excellent excellent well this has been wonderful having a chat with you um, as usual you're just so full of wonderful information and and I love the stories and I know that there are many more and that if people mm-hmm. connect with you they will learn even more about um, the the great stories and adventures that you've you've had and um as, as we're ending, I just want to read this quote. Um, I, you used it in our program and I really like it. There's no logical way to the discovery of these elemental laws. There is only the way of intuition, which is helped by a feeling for the order lying behind the appearance. Albert Einstein. I love that quote. I yeah, just, I love that too. Yeah, because we often think about science and inventions and and all of that as so much just in our head but in fact it really comes from our intuition it really does and and to me that speaks to this idea that even when we think we're not following our intuition and our mind or society even like when I said when I still went ahead of that relationship and I ignored my intuition Mm -hmm. at a deeper level, I was still following it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
because it led me to where I am now. And I truly feel like that is, that is where I'm meant to be. So yes, I didn't follow it, but also I did. That's right. It's that, it's that deeper level. That deeper yeah. level. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you. Thank and you. we will speak again soon, I hope. Me too. Thanks, Crystal. You're welcome. And thank you to all of you who have joined us today. Um, you will find um, Kimberly's information just wherever you opened this podcast. It will be just below or above or somewhere around the picture. And you will be able to contact her if need be or follow her or get more information about all of the wonderful things that she's doing. So thank you. And I'll see you soon.